If it was illegal to say stupid things into a microphone. Why must you be so stupid? These guys would be doing life without parole. Hey everybody, we're back from prison. Why do we keep encouraging this kind of behavior? It's the Breaking the Ice podcast with Josh Dolan. You know, we could like go to jail for this. Along with Mike Shue and Isaiah Moskahanna Bonsa Mana Blitz Boskowitz. Whatever the hell his name is. I'm right here. You're going to visit God? I totally forgot. I have to go to a christening. That's a, uh, you don't want to forget that. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, totally. Who's, uh, who's christening? A friend of ours. Uh, their yeah. son is, is getting christened. and um, At high noon? Uh, no, it's at one o'clock, but I have to go out and get a gift. I didn't know you had to get a christening gift. My wife money. is working. Card, there. card, money. See ya. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's probably what I'm going to end up doing. He loves uh, cars, like the movie cars. Oh, nice. So, but I don't know if I'll have time to do that. So I, I, yeah, I was looking online real quick at a uh, uh, christening gifts and there's like, you know, like solid steel crosses with the kid's name in it and stuff. No, I'm like, that's no. really Gothic. The kid's only <laughs> like, two years old you know if, I mean, if you could get him a card and a, and just like 50 bucks and just say go buy some car things yeah right exactly that's what i'm saying i just give it to his parents because he's not going to know what i'm going to give him the gift card here you go buddy and he's just going right. to put it in his mouth right you know? don't put that 50 dollar bill in your mouth no, it's been in worcester in you know, here just it's a gift card you're going to choke yeah i've never I don't think I've, I've ever been oh no i was at a christening once once but i was i think i was in college and i may have been high and it was no no does that mean i'm going to hell no okay because it wasn't my kid being christened so i could be no 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 marijuana is god's plant have you read the bible they were high the whole time they're writing it oh your mic is wicked over modulated jeff i mean jeff josh wow your mic is over modulated that's it i'm calling i didn't know there was a jeff on the show Hi, Jeff. That's it. I'm calling him Jeff from now on. <laughs> How about now? Uh, that better, sounds good. Better. Jeff. better. Back off it just a little bit. Is that a is that a no, Jeff yeah. with a G or a J? Oh, uh, I think it's a J. G E G A O E. Yeah. G E O F F. We'll stick with Josh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I, I don't know. Christening, and it's uh, it's like I think it's Greek Orthodox. Too. Oh wow! So you're compl- like, you are completely unprepared for this. Christmas. So yeah, like and like my suit. First of all, do you wow. know their name? Oh, I don't know if I want to give their name on the podcast. No, but do you know their name? Yeah, do oh, you know the their kid, name? The kid, like the people's names, the families. Yeah. yeah, they're very good friends. Okay. Oh yeah, they're great people. Like the. Do you, the know, do you know the kid's name? <laughs> oh yeah. Well, it's easy because it's the same as the dad's name. Thankfully. Done. Done. It's junior. You know. Back to your suit. Does your suit Jeff Junior? Yeah, it's like yeah, Jeff. I'll just call him Jeff. Hey, Jeff, he's <laughs> looking good up there. Who? Um, does your suit fit, Jesus, or is your when Jeff. was the last time you put your suit on? Well, the jacket I had on was at Carrie's uh, wedding, but I had lost. I've oh. lost like ten pounds. Yeah, so, you're sexy. You're sexy. So the jacket looks like I'm wearing my dad's jacket when I put my suit jacket on. <laughs> there she is. Hey, hi Sue. We, hey, before we start with Sue, I want to try to play something for Sue. Okay. That, that I found on my phone. All right, works. Sue. Hi. <gasps> the world. What the world needs now is Sue TV. 
such a great theme song you Who's like singing it? that are we gonna get flagged for copyright <laughs> oh i forgot about that josh <laughs> oh are we gonna get copyright infringement slapped on us sue i don't know are we already are we already did we already start the show oh god yeah. we just oh, yeah, got we're out we're the so second we log right. on we hit record and go blah 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 yeah. we we're anti-intro yeah, yeah absolutely but even if they do do that then we need to clip it yeah absolutely i say sure. i say do it and then let them yell at you Break right. the ice where we break all the rules. Yeah, I don't, I don't pre, so really? I don't preemptively negotiate against myself out of fear and obey when it could never happen. We're also, we're also very well aware that nobody's watching this, so we're okay. Yeah. yeah, we so get, how, many yeah just our, how many viewers do you guys? Do? Like two or three. Just yeah, moms. it's cool. That's my kind of and my dad, he started listening now. Yeah, yeah. no, Josh's right. father, his brother and sister, Mike's wife and daughter, sometimes Lucia. That's it. Yeah, my maybe. wife does not listen. Oh, your wife's out? Damn it. All right. What about what about Lenny, the dog? Nope. Lenny? Is no, that no Lenny there? Oh. We it's we only have on. like five followers, Sue. It's okay. Sue, who's who's singing the theme song? Uh I I, I uh, Randy Newman. Huh? <laughs> a guy on Facebook, he just sent it to me. They everybody loved what I did. So I started Sue TV as soon as we went on lockdown in, in New York. And I was like, I'm not going to get locked down and not be able to do my career. So I sat on my bedroom floor. That's where I am right now. And I just put up these pictures. And Love I just it. started Sue TV. And everybody was like, Sue, I want to help you. Let me, and the guy made that song. That's, That's awesome. awesome. Oh, I know That's why. Great. Because somebody was taking actual uh, clips from the show. They were clipping it off the Facebook, which I didn't even know you could do. So when he did it with the, uh, I had played that real, the original song of that. And then the guy said, oh, I'll, I'll make words for you. That's, That's awesome. awesome. I love you it. Like people that can do parodies just like that. Boom. Right? That's always good. Sue Costello is on Breaking the Ice finally. I love this. Right? What are you love drinking this. there? What's in the it cup? Is, what kind of coffee. sludge is that? I know. Everybody says it's so delicious. It's smooth. It's smoothie. It has. You want to know what's in it? Yes. I don't know how I stay. Everybody always asks me, like, how do you stay so in shape? <laughs> what's in this is bananas, blueberries, pineapples, strawberries, uh, kale, uh, an egg. Wow. Peanut Ooh. butter, uh, celery powder, beet powder, super green powder. Whoa, flax, we should try this, guys. Magnesium. I don't know. You lost me at the uh, the celery kale. powder. <laughs> kale. <laughs> no, I like kale. Well, I only like kale and Portuguese kale soup. You know, <laughs> but, uh, celery powder. Yeah, I don't know. That sounds that's, like an expensive trip to Whole Foods. Yeah, that sounds like a serious. <laughs> but but guess what? You're in shape. You look like you're 25. No, it's definitely working, so Everybody keeps good. messaging me. They're like, I saw you Sue TV. You look like you're the same as you did on Tough Crowd. That's what happened when I went back to CBS, too. I hadn't seen them all in 20 years, and yep. that's all they kept saying. Like, why do you look the same? Why do you look the same? I'm like, because I don't suck the life out of people and steal all this shit. And I also drink that <laughs> drink that you just rattled off. It's like the healthiest right. thing on the planet. Oh that. So it's Sue TV. We'll just call it Sue TV and Sue's Drink. Mm-hmm. This is, are you drink? I'm, we're, we're drinking, uh, this is uh, one of our sponsors, um, Wolfpack Coffee. Oh, yeah? yeah. Oh, yeah. Our friend Matt, he's a, he's a veteran. He's an awesome guy, and he gives us free coffee. Mm. That's nice. Yes, yeah, sir. We work for coffee, Sue, pretty much. Yeah. That's what we're getting. Some free berries. Uh, right? Well, listen, we've gone from working at WAF where we all got paid to now we're just basically doing this and getting free coffee. So shit's gone downhill. And we're bored. <laughs> And we have yeah. a constant need to be liked, so. 
Because <laughs> I don't at all. So we're going to make a great match. <clears throat> Tell us about the Zoo TV. So first day when we got locked down in New York was terrible. Absolutely terrifying. I was out walking. It was already freezing, so it was March. You guys know because you got locked down too. But yep. in New York, what was going on, you guys know we were at the height of like... Oh, yeah. It was a shit show. Yes, and what was going on was the ambulances were going 24-7 all day outside. Mm. And so we could only go out for a walk, but we were all terrified to be outside because we didn't know what was going on. And then the lines were starting at the grocery store and everybody was afraid we weren't going to have any food. And then, uh, so we got, and then we, we were all walking and we all got the, the siren, the alert on our phones all at once yeah. that we were going right. to go to a certain place. And it was so absolutely terrifying that I was like, I'm not a victim. Like I've been through so much in my career already. I'm all, I'm, I'm used to actually being cornered and trapped and like put in positions that you really can't get out of. And I was like, Oh, and all of a sudden I just sat down on my floor and I was like, I'm going to stop my own show. Cause I've done so many uh, variations of this. And so what I was going to, what I was thinking about on my walk this morning is how uh, this, like uh, this, I've been in this like cycle of abuse with Hollywood my whole career. And so I have done this in so many different uh, variations, but there's the sexism, the classism, all the stuff that I suffered. There's a, and uh, there's a way that they kind of like pull me close and then manage me, pull me close and box me, pull me close and keep me under control. And so I just did Simmer Down on Compound Media, which was, uh, I flipped the script. I did, um, and I did it all, but I'm telling you, I did all, but I, I literally produced and did the whole thing. And I knew I was going into Compound Media, which is Opie, I mean, which is uh, Anthony from Opie. Anthony from Opie and Anthony. Yeah, that's Tell right. Me. Right, so if you ever told me in a million years, I did Opie's podcast and I was on Compound Media. If you ever told me years ago that I would even ever be anywhere near those guys, I would have told you you're already mine. So it's progress with the sexism. It's progress that I'm even near them. <laughs> Ten years ago, you're like, fuck that. Now you're like, I'll do it, but I'll do it my way. No, they wouldn't let me near them is what I'm saying. Oh, really? No way. That's how bad the sexism was. They've and so around. now, in compound media, so I went in and I was going to, so the idea of this cancel culture. So what I, in all my experience, I'm always like, even like today, it's me with all the guys all the time. Always. That's, I've been trained by the most intimidating, most aggressive, comedic, brilliant minds my entire life. And it's usually three or four or five in me. So I was, I was like, well, the cancel culture was happening. And I was like, well, what I want to do, and I've done it. I, ABC wanted me to do a talk show. I, I did my sitcom. I have my new script. All my, my art is always the same, but I've been trying to get it out without them boxing me. So the Compound Media show was going to be... Um, me with three guys so i was the host and it was going to be three comedians and we were going to try to talk about the cancel culture without getting canceled <laughs> so I created it's like a, a game show huh? right? yes. it's like a game show yes and I don't get canceled and i had rules and i had a whistle and it was and i knew what i was doing so then there was a lot of audience and then there was uh and then the audience at home and i knew what was going to happen is that they were all eyes were going to be on me and i'm like who has the balls to sit with three comedians against one like that i just flipped the chip i just flipped it instead of the guy being the host i was the host and uh the, the people in the audience were freaking out they wanted to get, engage and talk and then i knew the people at home would be watching me and i my comedy is always making fun of myself so if i broke the rules I knew that would engage people even more. Like if there was like no mansplaining, there were all these rules and I would blow the whistle if they did it. And so <laughs> if I screwed up, like if you mansplained me and I didn't pick up on it, then that would engage the audience. They'd be like, so he mansplained. So it was almost like sports in a way. Like I, I also understand the idea of sports and the engagement of that. So, <laughs> and I did it on there and it would have been, I mean, 
So was, I don't, it would have been very successful because it would have brought in the horizons and everybody loved it. And I, they literally never even called me back. Not like, oh. didn't even like say, Sue, we're not interested. They literally didn't even call me back. And everybody said, so Sue TV was like, I was like, fuck it. I don't need anybody. I'll just do it for my run. Yeah, I was Good. Gonna say, you should just do the same exact thing on Zoom. I mean, you could. I mean, you're doing it right now with three, you know, dumb guys and right? oh, ass hats. Know, and right. So, and, so Sue TV is gonna <laughs> it's gonna become my network. I'm gonna stop my own TV network. Is essentially Good. what's happening now. Yeah, I'm flipping the whole script. I'm like, I'm not fucking doing this anymore. I'm not. And what happened was, I realized I finally got it. I was like, I kept trying. I remember being at the Departed premiere at, at Fenway, and it was like, uh, it was Ben, it was Matt, it was Mark, it was. Uh, they were all there, all the guys. And I, and I remember standing there and everybody was talking and joking and I know them all like, and they're all friendly with me, but I was like, oh, they, they're not, they don't look at me like I'm a pair, a peer. They look at me like I'm the girl. And then in the comedy world, like if you go on the road, like when Dane Cook did his uh, thing in the, um, in the uh, trailer with Bobby Kelly and not, they went on the road, there's never a time in the universe where they were gonna stop and go, you know what, let's bring a girl with us. It just wasn't gonna happen. And so I started seeing it everywhere. And then I started thinking like Tom Brady, my whole life, I've, I loved the way that they made fun of his body. And then that he was a, like eighth round pick. And then he sat on the bench and he waited for the moment when Bledsoe got hurt, he came in. That, that always inspired me. But then even today this morning, I was like, Tom Brady was never gonna look at me like somebody who was like him, ever. Same thing with Mark Wahlberg. I grew up with Mark Wahlberg. Mark always like pulls me close in his circle when I'm at the movie premiere, but it's always like this, even with my TV show. And then I started thinking like, they, those guys never helped me. I'm like, but they all called me when I had my TV show. So from a pragmatic standpoint, it could cause somebody a lot of pain. But I was like, you know what? I, somebody's got to change this. These guys are not going to invite me. Yeah. Boom. Just do it yourself. That's right? And you have to control, control your own destiny. Right. But, but I'm not only controlling my own destiny, but I'm, I'm literally turning a, a ship. I'm turning an entire ship. It's not just controlling your own destiny because a lot of things that guys will say to women is, we'll just be talented. We'll just be talented and work hard and it will work out. And I'm like, uh, I don't think so. <laughs> no, it's not how it happens. I mean, I, I tell people now, and it's so cool because finally people are like, Sue Costello's been doing this for 30 years. Like, can you, now, cause there's like a break. The Me Too Times Up movement had, this is my theory too, is that regular guys, like good guys, could never get wrapped their brain around the fact that these abusive men would ruin their business because they hate women. So I could never even tell regular guys that that guy did that because he hates women. They just couldn't even, it wasn't on there. They couldn't even, they, until, they, until it broke open, then guys finally saw it. What's the story behind CBS? I see some of your posts that you put out in this. Some, some you know what this You know what the whole story is behind. Oh, I do. I'm, but I'm, but I'm, I'm, I'm leading you into a question. I've been talking to Sue for years. Years when I when I had back surgery years ago, I had to walk every day, and there was a short few. Josh was on the list. Mike would never take my. Yeah, call. I was on the list, wasn't I? <laughs> and Sue was on the list, and 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 she started calling me the walker after about a year because I'd walk for an hour, and she'd be just telling me all this fucking insane shit which I can't get into all of it, but why don't you tell us what the story is with CBS? Some, we just can't get into the end. because the, the end is because the end isn't the end. The end is just the next chapter. But what, now, Stu, what Stu, does Isaiah still call you? Yeah, all the time. Oh. I, I, I was going to say, how do you get him to stop? 
Yeah, I get that every single night. That's because Josh wouldn't take my calls. I'm like, yeah. I, just, take my no, call. I told him to fuck off. So I love you, That's Isaiah. You, do, you really. helped me change my life. I love you too. But to get, for the people watching, this is Sue Costello joining us on the show. What what is the story basically with what happened at CBS? Okay, so so it's very it's complicated, but I think I'm getting comfortable with taking it, breaking it down, getting the hard numbers. I always say that on Sue TV, the hard numbers. Forget the emotions. I'm out of the pain. I can break it down now. So with Costello, everybody knows Costello back in the day. Um, uh, I had all these representatives. So, so I'm from Boston. I love being from Boston. I'm blue collar. I have a lot of talent, but that doesn't mean I need to be Hollywood elite. I can be talented and still be regular, like Nicki Minaj says, because I'm still hood. Hollywood couldn't change me. That's hood. Just a kid. And so, but but first time around, it was very overwhelming because you're. I I literally come from teaching aerobics to old ladies, and then I was in Hollywood. <laughs> And part of the abuse cycle that they do is they pull you into, like, they give you all the smoke and mirrors so they can siphon your talent. That is the abuse cycle. So they give you the money, so then they tell you you need to have this, and you have to have that, and then you have a business manager, and you have an agent, and you have all these people around you that do not have your best interest at heart at all. It's almost like sports. It's the same idea when somebody comes out. Yeah, the it's, all, it's the same exact thing. They, they run you until, you know, like Neil Young said, it's better to burn out than to fade away. And that's right. there. That's not you saying that. That's them saying that, yes, right? That's like they run you until you're dry. They right? squeeze it all out and then they throw you away. They could give a flying fuck. Mm -hmm. And they position you in a way to only build their career. They all do. And it's all, it's a whole system that's set up. Radio too. Radio oh. and music. All entertainment. <laughs> all entertainment <laughs> because, because there's money involved. Right. But exactly. it's not just entertainment. It's the workforce too. True. This goes beyond artists into the workforce. This is what they're doing to the workforce now. They're breaking everybody down so much and siphoning everything they can. That's why they call them human capital. Yes. They literally are saying it out loud now. Mm -hmm. And they're pushing everybody to see how much they'll take. Right. And now everyone's starting podcasts because now we don't need them. And that's what's <laughs> happening. That's what I love about it. I keep saying about the internet, about this pandemic. I'm like, they invented the internet so that they could spy on us. I'm like, but they didn't calculate the unintended consequences that we can spy on them too now. And that's what's happening. Like, <laughs> and also, we'll see you it, too. take back the, the curtain because like now everyone's kind of like, I don't really need a studio. I don't need an like, agent. Yeah, I don't need an agent. Like, I, I don't even need to put shoes on. I just. Oh, <laughs> hold on. Wait, wait. <clears throat> what about slippers? Oh boy, those are dad slippers. Oh my hey, god. No. That's one for the feet the feet people watching. Oh, a lot of people just screenshotted. Here you go, guys. I oh boy. Yeah. Charging for that. So okay, so uh I'll be on the Patreon. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. I knew what happened with Costello. I knew what went on. I, and the sexism I saw it right. I saw it in Boston. I saw sexism with stand-up in Boston. That's why I moved to New York. I saw the sexism all along. It was so overwhelming that I never thought I was gonna ever break through it. So uh, and all I ever wanted to do was my job. That's it. I wanted to do my job, I wanted to get paid and not be attacked. And I wanted to get paid equal like everybody else. That's it. And that's how abusive and how crazy the system was and the sexism and the classism. And to be brought on stage as a comedian, not, and now we have a woman comedian. Oh, and they always say, the, here comes the beautiful Sue Costello. And I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? Just not say fucking here's Sue Costello for fuck's sake, right? But also then I have to be beautiful. And then some people are like, well, she's not that yeah. beautiful. I don't you, know think what? you know what? Don Gavin is beautiful too. And nobody ever said that about him, <laughs> right? He's a beautiful man. Nobody, here comes the beautiful Don Gavin. 
you know? Yeah, you're absolutely right. I don't yeah, even, thick head of hair. You know. thought of that. The other thing so, they do is when I kill on stage, I remember I was with Leo. Leo's from Boston. He's a music producer. He's, he's with Godsmack and all them. He came to the Laugh Factory in L.A. with me. And I explained to him at dinner about the, what goes on with the male comedians because I kill on stage. And I could never wrap my brain around the club owners and the comedians being jealous and hurting me because I kill on stage. I couldn't accept. It was, almost felt like I wasn't going to make it. Bill Blumenreich from the Wilbur email me that I'm a fucking loser. That literally is going to be the opening card of my stand-up special. I'm a fucking loser. Oh, Bill Blumenreich saying really I'm a fucking loser. It's Why? Because you did well? Did he say that because you did well? No, he did that because, so what I just said about how men couldn't understand that a man would hurt his business because of a woman. So I went to Bill Blumenreich and I asked him, now I just headlined the Women's Comedy Festival in Boston. I'm from Boston. I kill. I sell out. I mean, it's business. Forget about if you think I'm funny or not. I'm good business. So, and not only that, it wasn't, he didn't even have to do business. I went to him and I said, I want to shoot my special. I've never done a stand-up special in all my 30 years of my career. So the first special I do is going to be very popular. So I go to the Wilbur and I, I want to go back to Boston. I want to go home because with Costello, I let them steer me. I said I was from Southie. I'm from Dorchester. They told me that that's, and then everybody was mad. And I finally got why they were mad because I, they want to be proud of where I'm from. What am I, what am I hiding where I'm from? Right. So I was like, I'm going to go back to Boston. So I emailed uh, Bill Blumenreich and I say, I want to do my stand-up special. He goes, you can do your stand-up special here. You have to do it on a Thursday night. Now this is like, I want to say like seven years ago. And then that year the Globe did a full page ad on me about me doing it myself. When Bill Blumenreich did this to me and John Tobin from Laugh Boston, when they tried to fuck me, I finally started renting out Flowing Hall and doing it myself. And yeah. the Boston Globe did a whole thing on me. So that's when it really started. When these two guys from Boston really showed me what the deal was is when I finally pulled it together and said, fuck it, I'm never stopping. So uh, uh, Bill Blumenreich had, uh, he said, I can do my show, but I have to do it on a Thursday night and I have to do two shows and it will be $9,000 a show. And I can't sell any tickets because I won't sell any. What? That's what a fucked up deal. Tickets? That's it. That's the deal, you guys. That's what he offered me. Wait, wait. What do you mean you can't sell any tickets? What you get that? no money for the ticket sales. Is that what no. that means? He said I can't. No, yeah. That, but he was trying to like hurt my feelings. Like, Not only that, he was trying to cripple, like, cripple me. Right. That's Charging you nine yeah. grand per show and then no ticket sales. What the fuck's the point? Yeah, that's... Asshole. <laughs> But see, you guys would have never known that had I never said it out loud. This abuse has been going on in the dark forever. And I remember that time. And also to like, you want to talk about crippling? Like they were crippling my ability to do business. And nobody got it. Nobody was getting it. And then they make the women look hysterical because at most, you know how much like internal strength I've had to do to not be hysterical? That kind of, it, I'm going to tell you about Vegas too. So it ripped through my chest. So all these years I've been training myself personally to not, pick up the rope and act out, which is the dynamic that they love to do. So uh, I went to my Wall Street guy that night. It was like the mafia. He was sitting beside me. We didn't even look at each other. I said, tell me, I just want you to tell me the truth. Just tell me what this means. And I told him the deal from Bill Blumenreich. He didn't even look at me. He goes, that guy's willing to take his business, to ruin his business to hurt a woman. Yeah. Fuck. And I had to sit with that and be like, I can't tell you. It's like, it's like, the only way I can describe the feeling is when somebody takes a knife and slices it through your chest. That's what it always felt like, this kind of powerless, crippling sexism. Aggressive. Was, was he, was, now, have, do, you, do you know of any other uh, woman comedians who he's done something similar to or the same thing? No, Just because 
I'm sure as soon as I start, as soon as my story comes out, everybody's right. going to come okay. forward. All the women are going to come forward. They're, we, they divide and conquer. They keep us separate so we can't get together, so we can't talk. Nobody believes us. The, real, the regular guys didn't believe us because they, they just, they couldn't even imagine. Now they're starting to believe us. Now they're like, oh, well, that guy's, I mean, talk about what, when, when you say that story, that, that's a lot of what I listened to when, when I was walking and you and, I, you and I were talking. This story, I mean, the CBS part is the story you brought to them. I mean, how did, how did that, that's, that's a real fucking story right there. Okay. Because so, that's the top of the heap. So that all started, all that stuff was going on, <clears throat> sexism and everything. And I knew I was going to have to fucking do it myself. And I knew all I wanted right. to do do business like the boys did that's all i wanted to do but the business is set up where all the boys are all helping each other the big boys help the boys put the boys shows on and then the boys and then the boys and i saw it with david o. russell with the mark with mark and christian all on the fighter they gave me i did a great audition they gave me a little part same thing managing me she's very talented but we're going to give her a little part she's this let's put her over here and they did it to me Byron Allen did it to me. They all, they did it to me for years. So anyway, so I finally, I had had it. So, so what happened was in 2017, I was booked to go to China. They came to me. They came to me. Sue, we want you to come to China for six weeks and headline, they're going to love you over there. They came to me. I have to say that that clearly so everybody gets it in their head. I didn't go ask them. And uh, I was, I was, I did a shot, a TV pilot with Jimmy Cummings from Southie in LA. I went to Miami to do a Bravo show and then, I mean, a Bravo party. And then I was headlining in Beverly all within a week before I was going to China. I was going to China in August and uh, China, I was doing all this in May. So there was from May to August for me before I went to China. And the guy, the booker from China emailed me and said, Sue, I need your passport. And I said, okay, my passport expired. I'm in Boston and Florida and LA right now. I said, I'm going to be back in New York on Monday. It's my priority. I'll get it to you even if I have to fast pay to fast track it. So now we're May, I'm not going till August. So even if he needs a couple of months to have it, you still have a couple of months, even if it takes me a while. So then that was Wednesday. And then on Friday, he, uh, he calls me again, emails me again. And he says, where's your passport? So this is what happens to women in the dock. Nobody knows. I already had a conversation with them. I already told them I'm going to be back on Monday. Literally, it's impossible for me to get my passport. Same thing with Bill Blumenreich did. It's impossible for me to do business. This guy was setting me up. It's impossible for me to get my passport. I just told him I'm not physically in New York till Monday. So he says, where's your passport? I said, I told you. Now I know. Now in my head, I know this behavior. And I go, this guy's going to fucking bully me when I get to China. And I'm going to be in China by myself for six months. I, I mean, six weeks. I can't. I got to set a boundary and see if he respects it, which is terrifying because you know what they're going to do. What if they can't get you sexually, they get you financially, and they don't get me sexually because they know I'll fucking say something very quickly right away. That, so they don't do that, but they've always gotten me financially. That's how they get me. And so uh, I said, "Listen, I said I told you I'm in Boston. I said I'm not going to be home till Monday." He goes, "Well, comedians aren't reliable." I said, "Well, I said, well, can can you can you just can we just see that you know trust that I'm reliable until I give you a reason not to?" Right. And then that. Yeah. Then the next night, Saturday night, I'm on my way to go to Headline in Beverly, sold out crowd. I'm in the car and I get an email from the guy from China. I canceled your tour. Yeah, fuck. Wow. That sucks. That's nah. He didn't even give you a chance to prove it. Yeah. What a dick. And that's the, you know, the passport thing. That's like a, you know. You can fucking break. It's a piece of paper that I'll get to you on Monday. Yeah. <clears throat> he did want to just abuse you. He wanted to take you to China and just fucking have his way with you financially. Yeah. Yeah. Well, good thing he didn't go. 
And I couldn't believe it. I'm going to tell you the Vegas thing, then I'm going to tell you the CBS thing. The Vegas thing happened while I was doing the CBS thing, but the Vegas thing was very strong to me. So I was headlining in... Um, People just didn't get this. And they would say women were crazy and, and acting like animals. They literally break you down to act like an animal. The pain is so fucking excruciating that you feel like an animal. That is what they do to you. And I don't know if anybody's even been able to articulate it like I do. And because I don't have the sex stuff, I don't have as much pain like other women who get triggered over and over again. Like every time they tell a sex story, the women get more and more triggered. So it's hard to get stability. I can get stability because I don't have the depths of that pain. So uh, I'm in... Um, I, the guy from fucking Laugh, uh, Vegas Laugh Factory says fucking same thing. Fucking not funny guy, piece of fucking loser, can't, he books the room. So uh, the first time I went there, he made me co-headline in Vegas. And the manager literally said to me, Sue, you should not be co-headlining. You should be fucking headlining. Logically, wouldn't you think, oh, the manager's saying, okay, no. Because the booker, the little shrimpy, fat fucking booker, uh, I have no problem. I'm telling you, they better get the fuck out of my way because I'm a book fuck. <laughs> I'm telling you right now. I love that. You little fat fuck shrimp. <laughs> yes, he is. <laughs> 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 so he would always, then he made me like middle one time. He, they, this is what they do. They, they enjoy sadistically torturing women. That's what's going on. And so, and it takes you a while to figure it out because you're trying to work and you're trying to do all this, you know. And, uh, and you're getting abused in the clubs and you're getting sexually, they're grabbing your ass and it's really hard to work. <laughs> and so, uh, and you're trying to be funny. And so, uh, so I were, I middled one time and then I went back and I was like, I'm, I stood up to him. I said, it's cause I'm a woman. Fuck you. He says, it's not cause you're a woman. That's how they talk to us. And so, uh, I went to, I was in, um, Reno headlining. So he let me headline in Reno and the guy who was, was MC and was like, Sue, why did they have that filthy guy in front of you? Why does he have that filthy guy in front of you? Oh, I was going to say also earlier, Leo, when we were in LA, he noticed because I laid it out to him. When I get off stage, the guys will just say something sexual when I walk away. So they'll, they'll minimize me. So the audience will only remember to minimize. They won't remember what I did. And Leo picked up on it because I educated him. He goes, Sue, I never saw that before if you didn't point that out. So this is what they do. So then uh, as I'm in Reno, I'm headlining. The guy says, why does he have the vulgar guy in front of you? And, and, and so everybody, all of a sudden, the mindset started changing because the guy was like, why is that? And he started seeing, he was putting the vulgar guy in front of me, so it would be hard for me to follow. And then they started calling me in Reno to do the press in Vegas. Now I'm co-headlining with a guy in Vegas. And in my head, I'm thinking, why am I doing all the press? I thought I was co-headlining. So now here I am. I'm in Reno by myself, headlining, while they got the vulgar guy in front of me so that I have to do better so that I can have my job so I can keep going, right? So he's abusing me there. And then they're calling me, calling me, calling me to go do the press in Vegas. And so I'm like, okay, I'm going to go do the press in Vegas. And so... uh I, the first night I get this, so when we call headline, we flip. I close one night, the guy closes the other night. I close one night, and the guy, that MC and Vet and Reno had said to me, Sue, why do they have that guy headlining with you? He can't follow you. So all of a sudden, guys started seeing what was going on. And so I get there, and sure enough, the first night, they have me closing both shows. Hmm. So in my head, I go, oh, they'll, they'll flip it tomorrow night. The next night, they have me closing both shows. So I'm speaking to what you were saying about that he was going to get me to China and just use whatever he wanted. For yep. So, uh, so that Tuesday night, now this is the other thing. They tell women, fucking, just be talented. Just work hard. Just do this. Fuck you. I, we even have, like, literally articles that we're supposed to ask for money, how we're supposed to do it. And I did that. Because what a guy would say to me is, so you too bad. You should have asked for it. You should have did this. Well, guess what? I was in, you know, by myself, working, totally vulnerable without a plane ticket and to go home until like that Sunday. 
And so I emailed them and I said, listen, I see you have me closing the, the two shows. Can you give me more money? I, I'll close them, but I want more money. Fuck you. You're a pain in the ass. You're difficult. Nobody fucking ever asked me this. Fuck you. Fuck you. Fuck Wait, you. Nobody, nobody ever asked the club owner or a promoter for more money. Bullshit. Especially when they're doing headliner work and they ask for headlining money. So <laughs> Come on. Fuck. Now I have to go do my job now after this, right? Right. And then the Thursday, the, the, the PR guy was like, they told me I was going to do a radio show on Thursday. So at 12 o'clock, they picked me up and we're driving and the radio show guy goes, okay, so you'll do five minutes. I'm like, five minutes? I go, what? He goes, yeah, it's an old people's show. And it goes out <laughs> over the radio. I go, what the fuck? I go, now I have to do material that works with an old crowd, but translates through the radio. For five and minutes. And yeah, they're getting the show out of me. Do you see how this is <clears throat> out of me mm-hmm. and I didn't even know so they keep putting you in this vulnerable position that you find so yeah. I go I do the show I kill that Friday oh that Saturday night the last night I did like 17 shows and now the guy the, the guy that was going before me didn't have to do the late shows I had to do the late shows and so that night we go out to dinner and I say to the PR guy I go can you believe that they were paying they were making me do all the work and paying me the same as a guy the PR guy goes like this to me. I bet you they're paying him more. Oh, were the they? Knife, the knife went like this. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. And I said, God, please let me see that guy's check. And I walked in. We went back to the club. I walked into the green room. That Major D handed me the check, and it was the guy's check, and it was like $700 more than I was getting paid. Oh, oh my God. God was listening. You're closing the show. Huh? <laughs> And you're closing the fucking show. Yeah. <laughs> and now I have to go on stage knowing this. Now I know this. Now that I have this split in my chest. Now what, what normally would happen, I'm going to tell everybody exactly how the hard numb is. A woman gets pain, that much pain, they go on stage, they act wild. Because they've already been squeezed so badly for how many weeks now. And then you see that. It's like so painful, right? And you're so powerless. So I didn't. I went on stage. I did the first show. And then the second, I went up to my room. Nobody was awake on the East Coast. So I was like, I'm going to go. I'm going to, I just like prayed. I was like, please help me. Please help me. Please help me. And I walked on stage and I was like, I, and I said, you guys, I go, this is my fucking 17th show. I go, I've closed all week. I go, and they're paying the guy more than me that just opened. And the crowd went wild, wild. They were like, time's up. Time's up. I said, I'm Time's up. Yeah. Yeah. I said, I don't care. I said, I did everything that they told me to do. I wrote the letter. I asked for the more money. I, I don't care. I go, I fucking burn this whole place down. I go, I don't give a fuck. I'll burn it all to the ground. Meaning like, I don't care. I'll burn my whole no, place No, no, no. That's the Dorchester and you'll light the fucking place on fire. <laughs> I didn't care. I was like, I'm done. I'm fucking done. And they, they, the bouncer was standing in the corner, like trying to intimidate me. Yep. And that's when the Dorchester came out me. I was like, fuck you, buddy. Go ahead. I've been carried out of clubs. I will take your fucking balls. That's unbelievable. I've been going out of clubs up in Canada and Montreal by my neck. I'm like, whatever, buddy. (laughs) I fought Mark Wahlberg. Get out of here. Did you confront the other other comedian about the the pay? No, I confronted the booker, and guess what? I got my fucking money. Oh, you did? Nice. Oh, good. All right, that's good. And then I went to Mitzi Shaw's funeral in LA like two days later, and the booker was there, and he's like, hey, Sue, how you doing? And he introduced me to his wife. I'm like, these guys don't give a fuck. Did you kick them in the nuts? You should have kicked him right in the balls in front of his fucking yeah. wife. So you never talked to the other comedian about how he was getting paid more. Did you ever talk to him about that? No? No. He would never tell me. He doesn't care. He, he sides no. with the booker. 
Right. But I saw your paycheck, motherfucker. How crazy is that? It's like uh, finally ready to see the information that was going to hurt me that I could make a decision on. So it was like the first show I didn't act out, but the second show I consciously did it. That's the difference. Right. That's what I'm learning how to do. I'm consciously. And then, and, and then I went to um, Montreal. We did this private show, me and Alan Harrigan, who's always with Dice Clay. They, the deal was they were going to fly us up there. They were going to put us up. We were going to do a private show for millionaire guys, which there's nothing harder than doing a private show for millionaire guys. Right. And, uh, and then they were going to, so they were going to pick us up at the airport, put us up. We were going to do the show and then they were going to drive us back to the airport. And it was so amazing to watch these guys. They kept telling us to be dirty, to be filthy, to do this. And in my head, I've been doing it long enough. I'm like, I'm not, you know, these guys don't know what they're talking about. They don't want filthy. And sure enough, uh, Eleanor went on after me and she went a little further than, than I'm sure. I don't know if she wanted to or not, but she went a little risque. And then afterwards, they wouldn't even look at her. And I was like, oh, this is how they treat prostitutes. I'm like, oh, this is exactly how they treat prostitutes. I was watching the whole thing. I'm like, they make you do something. And then all of a sudden, then they ignore you. Corporate yeah. events are amazing, aren't they? What? <laughs> I'd say corporate events are amazing, aren't they? It wasn't corporate. It was just a bunch of rich guys. Oh, it was Jeez. just, oh. Oh, yeah. One of the guys asked me how much it costs to keep me there for a couple more days. Oh, it was one of those events. Like you're a no, fucking that's, dog. I mean, that's what they thought, but they, they picked the wrong person <laughs> They said they weren't going to fly us to, I mean, take us to the airport. And I go, okay, they need to pay for our cab. The guy showed up with 500 extra dollars. Wow. And I was like, Sue, how did you do that? I'm like, I fucking asked. And now I keep saying, <laughs> I got out of the cage. I got out of the cage. All the guys are like, how'd Sue get out of the cage? I'm like, I fucking asked. And I walked out of the cage. The cage was open the whole time, idiots. Now, you just mentioned, uh, you just mentioned um, going to Mitzi's uh, funeral. What? What was your relationship with her? Did you pl- do the well, tour a lot, or? I was always at the comedy store, and I yeah. had a broken story about the comedy store. Another man, I'm going to tell you that too, and then I'll get to the CBS thing. So, uh, Mitzi was amazing to women. She was, she looked totally, and her funeral, you should have saw it. Uh, uh, Byron Allen got up, and he's like, in his suit, he fucked over. He fucks over all the actors. Sag, he's getting sued right now. I'm, I'm going to get him. Mark my words, right now, he's fucking going down. He's standing on the stage going, yeah, Mitzi cleaned out the attic so the women could work there. And then J.J. Walker, who also tried to sexually harass me in Vegas, he got up and he's like, this Me Too stuff. And I'm watching them and I'm going, this is fucking disgusting. The woman helped all women and they're being disgusting to women. At her funeral. At her funeral. So that my comedy show with Joe Rogan. So I got beef with Joe Rogan, too. I got beef with him, too. Put it on the, put it on the scoreboard. He, uh, <laughs> Did you get the scoreboard? Hold on, hold on. Rogan, uh, yeah, J.J. Walker, going down. This is going to help the algorithm, dropping all these names. Keep going. This is is the headline of this one. Sue Costello fights Joe Rogan. Everybody will download it. I want to sit on his podcast for three hours and do a mental MMA. He'll never do it. He'll never do it with me. Dude, this this is the clickbait for this episode. Sue Costello fights Joe Rogan. Go. Go ahead. Write it. I don't care. I'm fucking burning all What's down. What's your beef with Joe? Sue, <laughs> Sue, before you continue. So, so Sue, I walked hold, into- on, hold on a second, Sue. I'm sorry to do this. Before you continue, I got to bust out of here because I got to go to a christening. He actually is going to a christening. I actually have to go to a christening. So I just want to- You get off. We'll keep talking. You're podcast. off. I appreciate that. Um, what do I get this kid? He's a boy. What do I get him for a christening gift? A spoon. <laughs> 
spoon. <laughs> that is a good one. Why do people do that all the time? Like the metal one with the. Okay. Before we jump, before you jumped on, Sue, Mike texts. He goes, "I only have forty-five minutes. I have to go to a christening." I'm like, "What are you fucking? Just yeah, get the memo I, now." Good friend. No, I totally. It's my bad. I totally forgot. I haven't been to it. Like I was telling these guys, I haven't been to a christening since I was in college, and I was I was like high as a kite, and my I've lost ten pounds over this pandemic, and so my suit looks like I'm wearing my dad's suit. I'm totally oh prepared for this, so I'm sorry, Sue. I, I got to jump out of here. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. We're I, staying. Are you sure you're not doing this because you like Joe Rogan? No, 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 no not at all. <laughs> no, no. no we, before you got on, we were busting his balls. I'm like, yeah, dude, just get him a gift all. card. That's not true at all, Sue. All right, thanks a lot, you guys. Get a holy mask. <laughs> sorry, that good luck with the kid. Good right. luck with the kid. Thanks a lot, he's, you guys. He, he seriously, he's, he seriously fucking texts us and says, I got a christening to go to. I'm like, what did you just get fucking invited? Like at 11. <laughs> at 11? We've been planning this for like four months. Oh, for fuck's sake. But keep going. So what's the beef with Joe? What's the beef with Joe Rogan? So I went into the comedy store one time when I had Costello. And yep. uh, I went on stage and I killed. And Joe Rogan followed me. And he was so fucking disgusting about me sexually. Like, so really? vicious. And I had that same feeling, that, that rip in my chest. I remember thinking, why was he just so violently vicious towards me? So flash forward to like last year, I'm on the train platform in New York and I meet this woman who's a comedian, a newer comedian. And she goes, Sue Costello. She's like, I remember being at the comedy store years ago. She's like, and Joe Rogan was in the back in the kitchen pot with all the guys and he was viciously talking to all the guys about you, talking horrific about you. She goes, and I never forget the feeling I had about it. And I was like, oh my God, that's the same night. Wow. So here I had a woman who validated what, what, and it affected her just as much. Just that well, she of, saw it. She actually saw it happening. It was like a witness. I'm getting all this like validation now. All this like, yeah, validation, I guess, is what I'm saying for the, for the abuse. And, and, and I never wanted to be complaining. I never even wanted to talk about it. I just wanted to do my job. So that right. brings us forward. So China, the China tour gets pulled out. It's that same feeling. Now, financially, I just got fucked because now I have no work for the end of August. I can't book anything because comedy clubs book out in advance. He literally just... And I was like, just everything in my insides went, I'm not fucking doing this anymore. I'm not doing it. I can't do it for another second. And all of a sudden, this voice came in my head and said, go see Les Moonves. Now, wait a minute. I got, that was in August of 17, right? This was, I not, got, this, this was, so this was like May or June of, I was supposed to go in August. So June of, uh. Of 2017 is when the voice came down and said, go see Les Moonves. Because that, that's right around the time I had surgery that summer. Yeah. And you and I obviously knew each other for a few years because of WAF anyway. But that's right about the time. I remember you talking about China getting canceled. And I was like, what? <clears throat> and then you were the one that said, something told me to go see Les Moonves at CBS. And that's when we started really talking. But there is something very, 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 <clears throat> very about what, what happened with me. There's no doubt whatsoever. Because it's almost like that what they say, not almost like when you finally surrender, when you finally give up, when you stop doing your will. Like I was trying so hard to like beat the guys or to do it, like to not have to do what I just, what I did. Right. That, that's all I can say. I was trying so hard to not, because I knew how much it was going to hurt. And I, and I felt like it was so unfair. So, in the so I guess I had to finally be like, all right, it's unfair and you have to do something about it too. So the voice came down and said, go see Les Moonves. I hadn't seen Les Moonves in 20 years. I hadn't been in Hollywood and I hadn't been on sitcoms. I had been doing my play. I hadn't seen the guy. He gave me my first two TV deals. Thinks I'm the most talented person he's ever seen in his whole life. Absolutely fucked with my career when I was younger. And I wasn't completely aware of that. I was a little bit, but that's the way the game went. So 
there was a little bit of me that was unconscious of knowing that I wanted to go back and fucking face him too. There was definitely the Dorchester in me was like, I'm going to go fucking face to face <laughs> and fucking take care of business. And I wanted to do business the way the boys do business and the boys were in charge. People were calling him God. So I was like, who better to go? There's no real woman that you could really go to. They were all in charge still. So I was like, who better to go to than God himself? So I just emailed him. And I said, will you meet with me? I, and because it, it, ABC had been looking at me for a talk show and uh, IFC was seeing me on stage saying, oh my God, so you're talking about what it's like to be a woman and you're not angry and you're making it funny. I'm like, that's what I do. I take tragedy and I make it funny. That's what humor is. Tragedy plus time equals humor. And so uh, I knew my career was coming back and I knew my play was doing good and everything. So I knew. So I wanted to go to him for advice. I did not go to him for a show. I did not need him. Essentially, I did not need him. But in his head, he must have thought I needed him. And everybody else thought they must think they need him. I, don't, I didn't need him. Right. I didn't want it. Because with them, when I had Costello, I didn't want all that fucking hoopla. Yeah. I wanted to be a regular person and create my art. So right. I didn't need all the smoke and mirrors anymore. And I wanted to do it like the boys. I didn't want to go to another Departed movie and, and have everybody be like, oh, hi, Sue. I want to be fucking part of the gang. Right. And so... Uh, so he responded and said, sure. And then I set it up with his assistant and I flew myself out there. And uh, I, I'm, I'm trying to remember the exact moment because it's so crazy, everything that happened. So even that he said, yes, I hadn't seen him in 20 years. That speaks to my talent. I'm going to say it. I don't like to have to say that I have I don't like it. But guess what? If I don't say it, nobody hears it. I have to yeah, say too, you get, you, If you don't fucking promote yourself, who's going to? But not only that, it's like, it's factual. Like, why would, else would he see after 20 years? Right. And also, he had said to his brother, his brother was my, was my attorney at the time back when I was younger, which, come on now. <laughs> come on now. Come on Family, now. family deal. Come on now. Uh, <laughs> his brother had said to me uh, that when I was on Fox, that, he, that Les had said, I love Sue Costello so much, I want her to be successful, even if it's on another network. And I genuinely do believe that he said that. He was an asshole. He yelled at me on pilots. He did all sorts of stuff. He fucking tried to keep me off another network when I was younger. I know for a fact now that I went back in. But he did know my talent. And so that's why he let me. And then also they, it's, they were needing women shows. The sexism was starting to show in Hollywood. It was before me too, though. And so I went to his office and I met with him. And uh, we sat there and I, I told him a tiny bit of my TV idea. But I wasn't there to t tell him my idea. I wasn't there to get a show. I was trying to ask him, should I do a talk show or should I do a sitcom? I figured he could help me figure out which way to go because earlier on in my career, when I had Costello, the head of MGM said I should do a talk show too. So now it was coming full circle again. And I'm like, oh, which one should I do? Should I do the talk show? Because ABC wanted me to, on The View, they called me in like, they called me in like 10 times for The View and then to interview me. And then they wanted me to take over for Katie Couric when she, her show got canceled. So I was seeing, okay, I have to, this is a real deal. This is ABC. Like I'm back in the game again. Like, let's see. And not, not only that, I'm like, I took myself out of the game. I was always in the game. If I could email Les Moonves and go into his office right. and everybody right. was saying, you're going to meet with God. You're going to meet with God. And I kept saying, he's not my God. God's my God. I just kept saying it because I really believed that. I was like, what? And then I walked into his office and I swear to God, you guys, it was like a gray office. I went through all these assistants and got the water and sat in the lobby and all the fucking blah, blah, blah. And I walked in his office and my gut was like, this is it? Yeah. 
Anyone with the name Les is not God. You're God? I remember you. You're a dick. Moongas? But I'm like, this is it. He's just in this gray office. Like, I was so... And when I walked down the lot, I was like, it's like dead. This is dead. This feels like a funeral. I'm like, this is like, all. And, and so it's like... Like being behind the curtain at Oz. This is it. Right. I literally have an email with him where I told him that he was was it of Oz. <laughs> Think about all the stuff that you'd been through and now going back to that. Yeah, it was like a fucking funeral because it was a funeral in there. All the bullshit not only you went through that got exposed, it was a fucking funeral. You were just now seeing it going, wow, you're really, this is fucking death right here. Right? That's a, that, I feel like that's all of Hollywood, though, because we don't really need them anymore. It's well, that all, was, that's the whole premise of, of what you're doing. It's not, it's every, it's all these fucking men that have... Dude, look at how the country's run. Look at how it doesn't matter what it is. It, it, it's all some old fucking. Look who we're having presidential candidates, elderly men that we're fighting over who has more cognitive and physical. Elderly decline. men. <laughs> more cognitive and physical decline. What the fuck are we doing? We're out of our minds. It's the, it's the end they of the. Should be retired. <laughs> Why are you trying to be president? Both of them right. should be retired. You shouldn't be president well into your three hundreds. But not right. only that, we're arguing over. We're right. not even talking about, we're arguing who has more decline. Right. We're, we're part of the problem. Well, that one doesn't have quite as much of the Alzheimer's. So I'll go with him. Also, if you're in your 70s, like anything that, like, there's no ramifications. So you could start a war with North Korea, and they, but you're not going to be affected. You're going to be dead in eight years. So <laughs> to be president, you should be between 35 and 55, and that's it. Right. That's what I'm doing on Sue TV. I'm coming through with the hard numbers, and everybody's going, Sue, why aren't you on a lot of political shows? Sue, why aren't this guy, this journalist called me yesterday? He goes, Sue, he goes, everything that you're talking about on that show is what scholars do studies about. They do pressure tests about. They all come together across the country, and he's like, and you're, it's coming out of your body on your bedroom floor. I'm like, yeah, motherfucker. On my bedroom floor. I love <laughs> yeah, that. Motherfucker. That is what's going on. They were always trying to produce me and hide it and steal it and siphon it and everything, and I never knew what was going on. That's now, why they're all shaking in their boots because they can't control this anymore. And, right. and they said to me, all during the whole thing, every guy would say out loud, you're going to take us all down, Sue. You're going to take us all down, Sue. And I didn't know what they were talking about because I wasn't trying to take anybody down. I was well, because by you talking, again, if, you're, if someone's insecure and they're like, shit, she's figuring it out. Like, you, they've all been hiding and lying for decades. And now you're saying the right things and they're going, oh, fuck, she's going to destroy our little palace. Yep. Literally, like, a, like I always talk about the micro and the macro on Sue TV. A micro yep. level when you're in an abusive relationship with a guy and you start fucking going, wait a minute, why do you smell like perfume? That's what I was doing on the macro level. They were like, right. oh, oh, fuck, oh, fuck. Yeah. yeah speaking she of a found few the undies in the car. I, I, I kind of felt like that with, with radio, too, where I didn't really know I was in an abusive relationship. And then yep. once I was forced to leave, I feel better now than I have in the past, like, eight years when I, it was just a constant, like, please get me more airtime. Can I do this? Can I please do it? Now I'm just like, I'm going to fucking do this. This yep. is the have, workforce, too. We're talking about the workforce, too. This is what they've done to the workforce, and now they're fucked because they let us all sit still for a second. And oh, we're dude, not look, look, at the, look at the radio companies that we used to work for, and I've 30 years in the radio business, been out of it for four, doing my own thing. And, and it's not that I, I, I missed the live show itself, but the people and the abuse that the people have done to it is yeah. what fucked it all up. And you get these companies, you read in All Access, which is a, an industry magazine, 
you know, about what iHeart and Entercom and Cumulus and Town Square and whoever the fuck they are. They're run by the same old stupid fucking morons that refuse to change. And now the shit's broken because now you got a pandemic. You got less people on the road. So your drive time hours are down. People can't sell it. Fucking disaster area. They didn't have a plan B. So, okay. So no. listen, before the, before the pandemic, okay. I'm Sue Costello. I look like this. I have an accent. People are so prejudiced against me. It's you don't crazy. have an accent. You talk, you talk correct. You that's talk I, the fucking that's right I, way. That's how I beat these motherfuckers, though. With lots of blue-collar friends helped me, and I beat them because they were underestimating me every step of the way, even when I was doing shit right in front of their face. So right. criminals will tell you what they're doing and do it to you, and we don't pick up on it. It's like a deflective me uh, mechanism where they tell you what they're doing, so you go, oh, they wouldn't be doing that if they're doing that. Right. They do it for bad. I did it for good. I told those motherfuckers everything I was doing. I did it right in front of them. And their cognitive dissonance, because I was a woman and because I had an accent, they didn't think I was doing what I was. Literally, I did it for good. I just flipped the fucking tables. I flipped the script. So, <laughs> uh, but, so I was going to speak to this. So I went out with this guy from Sirius right before the pandemic. Literally like a week before the pandemic. And uh, he wanted me to do a radio show on Sirius. And I asked him at dinner, I said, what are you doing for the millennials? I said, the millennials, they can't believe how smart I, that's what the journalist was like. They can't believe, and this is what would happen with Costello. They can't believe that people can be smart and uneducated. They just can't, they, the elitists are worse than people that they say are ignorant because they actually have an education and they're more ignorant than, so, uh, so well, I said. I, there, there's a big difference between being smart and intelligent. Yes, street smarts. I always say street smarts, uh, blue collar. Street smarts win, motherfucker. Can't uh, learn that in college. Nope. Everybody says to me, Sue, your fucking street smarts and your gut made you help, helped you through CBS. Even when I'm in the room with Les, my street right. smarts, my guts helped me fucking not let him fuck. That's me. what helps you survive. No degree is going to help you survive. But so the serious guy, I said, what are you going to do about the millennials? I go, the millennials don't want to buy anything. They don't have any money. They're living with their families. They want an experience. And he goes, Nothing. What are you talking about? I go, well, correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't advertising where you bring people in at 18 so that they're dedicated to you for the rest of their life? People who bought certain products when they were younger have it in their refrigerator right now. Is that not the whole advertising model? Yep. And he goes, nobody cares about that. They only care about blockbuster movies. I literally looked in the guy's face and I said, yeah, I said to him, what happens if one day people don't want to go to blockbuster movies? He goes, that will never happen. Welcome to March, bitches. <laughs> Welcome to March, bitches. I mean, fucking, whoa, nobody's in the movie theater. <laughs> That's got to be a bumper sticker or a shirt. Welcome, Welcome to, to March, March, bitches. <laughs> and smash cut. Holy fuck. It's a, but when you get complacent in life like that with anything, never say never. Our parents fucking said that to us. Never say never. They fucking underestimated me. The movies will what? never go away. Really? Podcasting will never be big. I remember getting made fun of because I had a yep. podcast while I was, Greg Hill was making fun of me for having mm -hmm. a podcast. And now the radio station company that we worked for, right before we all got fired, they were, <laughs> they were really panicking because I, I remember our boss coming in when me and Mike Shue were on the air and he was like, I can't believe we got to do this, but after your show today, we have to play a two-hour fish podcast on the air. So they were playing two-hour shows that were just talking about fish, but they were calling it a podcast. I'm like, just 
calling it a podcast doesn't make it a podcast. You're just trying to catch up to Joe Rogan. Like right. it's now you're just playing a two hour radio show. That's not a podcast. <laughs> you hit it right <laughs> on the head. You understand what it no, is. No. You just start calling radio podcasting. I'm like, that's not. Okay. L- got l- listen to any iHeart media station right now. So the, the purpose of radio tower, listen to me. Don't ever go away. Stay listening to me. Right. Every single commercial and break on an iHeart media station is pushing you away to a podcast or an iHeart music channel. They're fucking all over the map. And it's, 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 it's just there. And there is no plan B now because radio is built on drive time, right? What are people doing less of, unfortunately, since March? Driving. You're fucked. You have it's no plan. Like quicksand. It's quicksand. It's brutal. And it's but going it. just like this. But I saw oh. it. The second I met with Les, I was like, I'm going to fucking flip the script. I knew it because we were sitting in his office. I told him a little bit of my TV idea. I was, I was naive in the sense that my t- TV idea was as good as it is. I was naive in that. But there was a bit of me consciously sitting in the room with him, knowing I was in the room with him. So it, the, the whole story, when it comes out, you're going to see that, like, maybe consciously I didn't know what was going on, but my gut was driving me the entire time. It's, gonna, it's so fucking cool how my gut just drove me the whole time. Because he, uh, I told him my, story, my TV idea. So maybe I was, there was a bit of, like, giving the lie in the steak. You felt bad. He was sitting in a gray room. It was like a funeral. You had to give him. Something. Oh, I'm saying giving him. A so I can <laughs> I know, see I how he attacks me. I was right. I was poking the bear in a way. Right. I was purposely poking the bear. So unconsciously, like I went back to him because I knew he thought I had talent, but underneath I knew he had fucked with my career. So there yep. was like duo thing. I had to go back into the storm to connect the dots to really see what was going on to, right. to redo my my whole life. It's like I dropped into. It's like a literally like a superhero video game. What I went through, and if I fucked up once, I would have been dead. Once, if I cheated once. Dude, Josh, I'm telling you, from that point, really, where she said she had this go less, that's when her and I would talk multiple times a week because I was out walking, healing my back, and I was listening to this, and every fucking time, every conversation was another aha moment for her where it was, I had to do that. Oh, wait, I had to do that. Fuck, I had to do that. And each one, and each step was just the next abusive cocksucker. Fuck that worked for that guy. I'll just get right to the point with that. And every fucking step along the way, he had these fucking minions that had been laid in place for decades to treat people the same fucking way like trash and bring them down, bring them down, bring them. And I was just like, I couldn't believe half the shit she was saying. I'm like, there's no fucking way. Hold on. Next call. Next one. Next one. And then we start adding these things up. I'm like, you're on the yellow brick road. Basically you're heading to fucking Oz and, 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 and you're running into the monkeys they're flying and the fucking witch and the, what the fuck is this scarecrow thing? My play and the is tinder. literally the, my play is the Wizard of Oz theme. Right, it's my fucked up. About it, breaking the system. I didn't I, even realize I was writing the play about breaking the system until I went to the system and I fucking broke the system. Well, even I, the I, stuff I, I remember that, you you telling me of some of this when you were doing you were looking for a place in uh, Boston to do your play and I was driving around with you and you were you were telling me some of this stuff and it's we. Crazy. Yeah, it was. None of it worked. None of it worked. None of it worked. My career wasn't working. It wasn't working. It wasn't working. Anybody would have told me that my business model didn't work. Meanwhile, they were telling me that my play was like Shakespeare. And I'm like, something's wrong. What's wrong? What's wrong? Why can't I get it going? I don't do anything wrong. I don't do it. What's wrong? What's wrong? Why? Why? And I just kept going and I kept going. And I thought about uh, uh, Tom Brady and all those people that just keep going. And I thought about this surfer. There's a surfer who one day he was like, 
all beaten up and he was a mess and he's like, I can't, I don't want to do it today. And he went and he like surfed the biggest wave ever, like that, that, that five minutes before the finish line. And I was like, I'm going to keep going because I need to bust through this fucking sexism, this classism, this what they do to artists, what they do to people. I have to do it. And if I sell my soul a tiny bit, I'm fucking dead. And I knew it. And so it was like a personal thing for me too. So I go and, and I, I'm in the room with him and uh, he, I, I tell him I want advice. And all he keeps saying to me is, how are you making a living? 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 And who cares? Huh? Who cares? Well, I, I'm saying, why? Well, that's because he's yeah. driving the thing where like, you need me. Yes. Right. Right. But I wasn't there for that. So it never worked for me. Anything they ever did to me, I was never there for that. So it, it, it was like, because I was so honest, I beat them all. Right. They didn't pick up on the fact that I wasn't. And plus, he thought, this is what happened. He, I was Sue Costello from 20 years ago, 20 years better. He was Les Moonves from 20 years ago, 20 years worse. Right. And, and she's mentioned story a couple of times. And what she's getting to that is that this entire thing is a story uh, from soup to nuts, from the beginning right through and all of these years. And it's going to be a tremendous, even the recent conversations you and I have had, we can't get into some of those things because it's getting fucking intense. Like the chapters just keep getting more and more intense, but it's all bubbling and it, and it all fits together. Like picture a boat and the wake behind the boat. It all goes right down the same fucking road. And this is some crazy ass shit you've told me recently, but it's just once it's all together, Sue TV is a part of it. This pandemic is a part of it. This fucking podcast is a part of it. All of it. And, and, Lawrence and, Fishburne ended up in the paper with Lawrence Fishburne. Remember that? That's yes. all started looking back. That's the fucking National Enquirer put something out. She goes out to dinner with Lawrence Fishburne, and all of a sudden it's like Fishburne's going through a divorce with his wife or whatever the fuck. And it's like, who's Fishburne with this floozy? And Sue's like, fuck you, dude. I fucking literally just went to dinner with you, but you also thought Fishburne set that up. I don't know. Maybe? No, what's going to happen is when the story comes out, I, I have faith in the people. My whole life, right. with right. Costello. The live audience with Costello, the Marines went crazy, were hanging over the rafters. They loved me. Right. All I kept saying, even with my play, I'm like, get to the people, get to the people, get to the people, Sue, get to the people, get to the people, which is how you break out of an abusive relationship, too. You all of a sudden go to people and they help you so much. So with this story, I keep saying, it doesn't, I'm going to go to the court of public opinion. I'm right. going to go to the court, because what's going to happen is when the story comes out, everybody, I'm going to invite everybody to put two and two together and help me. So it's going to, it's, that's what, who I am. I want, I want my success to be good for everybody. I want to yeah. be successful, but I want it to be good for everybody. And my character and name in the story is what? You're the walker. The walker. Because that's all I did. I walked for... I the walked walker. I was but in fucking... I lived so in Malden. Nice. I walked the streets all of Malden. All my blue-collar guy friends and my, and my working class women. So, so, I met, so Les kept saying, how you make a living? And I purposely, I remember consciously saying to him, I'm going to tell him I was broke. This is what I mean by throwing the stick. Most people would tell you, don't tell him because he's going to manipulate you. But anything not quantifiable is easily manipulated. So if I never said to him I was broke, I would never see what he had done. Right. So I threw myself into the fire. I purposely told the fucking tiger that I was broke to watch how he behaved so I could protect myself. That's what I yeah. did. And so I was sitting on the couch with my knee and I said, and he was sitting in his chair and I said, I've been broke. And part of the reason why I told him I was broke too is because I knew he was a fucking failed actor. And he had sold out for a gray office. I perp I'm telling you, I was like, wow. this I gave up everything. I've been a sex, like the sex is everything. And I never fucking stopped. And now I had the balls, the balls. This is how the story has to be told. I had the balls to email him and come sit right in front of his face. I didn't go to no fucking journalist. I didn't fucking tell my story to anybody. I went right to the fucking man himself. 
Right? <laughs> see, you see what happened? Go back to that drink she was drinking this morning. This is what happens when you drink right? funky juice. You get fucking fired yeah, when, up. Yeah, and then when you drink like us, then it's just, you know, yeah. we're duds. <laughs> she stopped drinking decades ago. We should probably start that now. Well, it's I'm telling you, days off. If, I, if I had to have my wits about me completely, if I was oh, not as clear as I am right now, there's no way. There's no way. If I had anything dirty in my past, any story right. or anything, they would have fucking got me. Where do you think, and there's so much, where do you think, and it's hard to predict, where do you think this story is going to go in the next fucking six months? Where do you, I mean, I it's hard to predict. Crumble. I think they bet the whole house on me. That I think they bet the whole house. I think it's going to affect their employees, their stock. They, be, they being CBS? I think it's going to affect, because it's going to level everything, because they fucked up with millions of people, but nobody's done what I did. I didn't, I didn't co-sign it. If I hit, and then you want to talk about energy. Like, I didn't believe all this while I was going through it. Even you asked me how I felt when I was going through it. I didn't know what I was doing, but I kind of knew. But I think energy-wise, like, if I had co-signed it, then they could keep going. But because I never co-signed it, I did not let them do what they were trying to do to me. And I figured it all out. The story is fucking, I can maybe come back another time and tell the whole story or something. But I'm writing it. I'm doing it all different angles so that people can digest and understand. Because I did what no one else has ever done. Right. Even my brother-in-law is like, Sue, it's, it's hard to quantify. It's hard to uh, conceptualize. And I was like, yeah, because essentially what I did was live art. Right. I was right. making art and, and I did it for all artists so that they couldn't exploit us anymore. And I put my body through it so that it, I literally sacrificed myself. That's what I did. For the good so you're, in a good you're, in a, you're in a good place now. You're happy, right? You're healthy. Things Not are like good. That. They're going to get in trouble and then I'm going to sue them. And I'm going to get money from the fucking civil case. And guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to take that fucking money and I'm going to start my TV network. Okay. Sue TV. I fucking love it. And I'm I going to create the content it. that I want to create and I'm going to treat the artists with respect. And they're all going to get a piece and they're going to get paid correctly and they're going to get fucking health insurance that's not attached to their jobs. Watch me. Everybody's like, right. Sue, that's a big deal. I'm like, yeah, it is. Keep watching me. Don't take your eyes off me. Fucking watch me. <laughs> if people don't know this is sue costello sue where is sue tv if people have not seen it on facebook at five, live at five right now that's where i've been doing it because i'm trying to man i'm trying i'm gonna get a studio so that i can do it so i have good news i'm gonna break the news here i'm breaking the ice hey, who? Oh. moving back to boston what yes come home baby nice. come home next week two weeks from now oh wow really okay then we're gonna have. Then we can do this in person. Huge, let's have a huge meeting. You know why? Huge meeting. I want to be home when all this breaks. Good. But also, Fuck you it. don't need New York or Fuck LA. New York. Like the 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 whole. I, I was telling my wife I'm the other home. day. I was like, I I always said that like even Boston. I wanted to be close to Boston because of like radio and the doing all the brewing shit. And like during this pandemic, I'm like, there's no. We can kind of go anywhere. Like I. I haven't had to go anywhere. Like as long as I have a Wi-Fi connection, right. I can work. <laughs> so that brings us full circle. Every time I do anything, there's always full circle. Every time, anytime I do it, you can tell naturally when it should end. So that's full circle. So we started off talking about this patriarchy, this old money, greedy, fucking squeezed, disgusting, old, like just bully white man way of running the world. It's over because what should be happening now because of the internet, we should be way ahead of ourselves. We should have a gay president. We should have a black woman president. We should, it shouldn't even be an issue for us. Where are the fucking United States of America? We're the United States of America, and that's what sets us differently, that we are respectful, we're humane, we're proud of our country, we help people, 
And somehow we've gotten divided and conquered on every level so that we're fighting each other when we sh we're fighting about who's older and more a mess. Wake up everybody. And that's what your TV is about. I'm like, we need to insert, like I inserted myself into the conversation with the men. We as the working, as this, if there's 99% of us and there's 1% of uh, them, what are we fucking doing? Right. Yeah. Chappelle, I just did the Patrice O'Neill documentary. I said, Chappelle keeps saying racism is worse than sexism. I go, why do we have to one up each other? Right. If all the minorities not a competition. <laughs> if all the minorities got together, wouldn't we be the majority? And I, I consider white men that are not a bull, abusive bullies part of the minority. Right. But we're actually the majority because there's ninety nine percent of us. But somehow they had this Wizard of Oz trick, and it was only working. It's the same on a on a micro level. An abusive relationship only happens in the dark. I wasn't telling anybody what these club owners were doing to me. As soon as I tell you guys, you guys go what? Right. And all the good guys want to, and that's the other thing. Men who have been in power, you guys have been, you know, had access because you're white men or whatever, but you're valuable to us too because we need the bridge. We need the information. You have the information. You can help me. Uh, Isaiah, I said to him when I was going to pitch my show to TV, or maybe even before I went to Les, what did you say to me? This is how we started to become friends. You said, talk less, ask for more. Yep. That was the first question she asked me when she called me because something was up and she's like, and I was just like, talk less and ask for more. So like, and just, just ask, just like, like how much thing. is this thing? Give me more fucking money and then zip it up. Just the thing that to finish with the less thing. So he asked me how much, and I said I was broke. And then he told me, so I had told him about my play and he was getting all crazy. He's like, if this thing's as good as you say it is, he knew I had content. He knew I had talent. He knows I have the talent. He knows I have the experience. And then he saw that I had all this content and he was going like wild. And he said, he told me to film my play. When I told him I had been broke, he told me to film my play. And I got that same cut down my chest, yeah. that same thing. And I was like, I started shaking. And I was like, how am I going to film my play if I don't have any money? And I held the strength. I, let, I just held on to my strength. And I just went, okay. Yeah. And the energy in the room changed like crazy. It was bizarre to watch. It was like, I, I took the power by not asking him for money. Right. And you and never did. And I got on the other side of that door. I, he started acting so weird. I was like, all right, I'm going to go. And he's like, don't sign any deals. Don't sign any deals. And inside I was like, give me a deal, motherfucker. I'm not the old dude. And I got to the other side of the door. And I was like, and this big surge of power came over me like I had never felt. And I went, it is fucking on. Everywhere on, everywhere on social media, I would always do hashtag tap, tap, tap. Because I always pictured Sue like up against this massive fucking wall just going, you know, it's going to take a minute, but this motherfucker will fall. Tap, tap, tap. No, that's actually a thing. There was a, I was researching architecture and there's a, I might even told you this. That's where you get that from. Yep. There's a building. It was a huge high rise and there was a metal ball like this that was attached to something and it kept hitting the tap wall of the, of the skyscraper. Yep. Just constantly. And the whole skyscraper fell. Takes a minute, but that shit will fall. Sue's got a fucking amazing story. Give out your website and tell them again. Boston what Strong, baby. Boston fucking strong. Where can people, where, what's the website, too? You've got an awesome story, great website. People can go there and-, and well, You can see Sue TV on SueCostello.com. All the episodes are there. It drops down for like week one, week two, week three, so you can see them all. I'm revamping the website. I have a thing called Sue NN, where I'm going to start organizing everybody who has like uh, foundations and raising money for all for good. 
So, and then I'm going to start putting them all up on CNN, and then those people are going to be able to connect and then the energy is going to connect and it's all going to stop building all good stuff. We're going to turn the whole thing around. <laughs> and that's all on SueCostello.com. You have on to go. Instagram, I'm, I am Sue Costello. On Facebook, I'm Sue Costello. And on Twitter, I'm at Sue Costello. And most importantly, you're coming back to Boston. I'm coming oh, yeah. Home. Oh, fucking yeah. Let us know when you get here. We'll do another show. We love you, Sue. Thank you. Thanks you for guys. coming on. I haven't talked to you in a minute. I know, and you guys all along have been so good to me. Every, all the, everybody. I mean, I, I'm going back to Boston. Everybody's helping me. I'm like, and I, that's the thing about Costello. I remember thinking, why did I have all these Jewish men writing on my show about Boston? <laughs> I was out of my mind. I didn't hey. know. That's what they told me I needed. Hey, it comes with age and wisdom, though. Like, you're in a good place now. You're coming home. You're going to do all those things here. You've made an announcement on this show. You want to fight Joe Rogan? We'll put that out there. It's all good shit. And they, ain't trying, to, they ain't trying to see that I still look good. They are not liking it. Fuck them. Who cares? They they're fucking, it, they're insecure. No, they would have liked if I got angry and haggard. You're not. Then they'd go, oh, she's this bitter. Oh, she's this, this. I'm like, no, I'm not. <laughs> I've never been happier. <laughs> <laughs> Love you, celery juice. Love you. Yeah, keep drinking the keep drinking the celery juice. We love you. Thank you for coming on the I show. Love you guys. Thanks, Sue. Awesome.